faces oh hi there that wasn't a weird face no hello hi my name is dylan I'm this zach. is zach I'm we are zach. some nobodies and this is talking upstream well, this is so on ibm tv international broadcast media zach talking upstream as uh we know but as the viewers at home might not know it's a 90 minute writer's room in which zach and i two creatives or at least we like to say that we are uh like to bring ideas to the board usually when we are just talking amongst ourselves we like to just generate content we like to make stories we like to make uh structure for things that we find amusing and we thought that we would take this show and use it to turn that meeting into a 90-minute discussion on creativity where we showcase the creative process on this whiteboard yeah and we have a lot of fun doing it too uh firstly we want to th throw a quick and uh a very important shout out to international <sighs> <laughs> we talked about this beforehand. Was that, international it, Broadcast Media, IBM TV. Yeah, IBM TV, International Broadcast Media Television. Uh, quick shout to them. Thank you very much for having us on and having our friends on here and letting us just talk and write a bunch of stuff. It takes me a long time to erase. Um, but before we get to our guest, mm -hmm. which is going to be a great one this time, uh, no, they always are. Yeah, they're always great. Except that one. We're we don't talk, talk about, about them. That. Yeah, that was that deleted episode mm -hmm. that we never aired. That unreleased was, one. That's a weird. Guess. To our shame. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm not yeah. as ashamed as I was that one time. That's true. Yeah. So shame. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know why? No. Because your hair is down. It is. And that's how you do oh. business. <laughs> we need a fan going or something. It's a little muggy in here. All right, but before we get into more about Dylan's hair, uh, let's bring in our guest. This is uh, Scott Curtis from Behind the Bits. So please bring on Mr. Scott mm -hmm. Curtis. Hello, hello, you two somebodies. Oh, hello, Scott. <laughs> uh, we are some nobodies until mm. you make us some bodies. Hey, uh, hey, you're somebody to me, baby. That's cool. Don't we appreciate that, that Scott. Just water. Uh, real quick, before we get into any of our weird and stupid questions, uh, Scott Curtis, why don't you go ahead and let people know like what your podcast is, where it's, uh, what it's about, and where people can find you. Right. I am the host of the Behind the Bits podcast, which I call a serious talk about stand-up comedy. You can find it on any podcast app. Just type Behind the Bits in and you'll find it. I talk to working comedians about their comedy, about how they write, about booking shows, about what it's like in a pandemic, just a lot of serious questions about comedy. It's geared towards people who are in comedy, who are comedy nerds, or and people who um, just want to know what it's all about. So that's, that's the podcast in a nutshell. It is my uh, passion project, and I'm really enjoying doing it. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, now, as I understand it, as of recently, you are award-winning. Yeah, I was going to stop uh, talking about that, but since you asked, I'll go ahead and bring it up again. Of I course. did win the uh, the Discover Pods annual award for best interview style podcast, mm -hmm. and that was just a couple weeks ago. So that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, because of you and your podcast, I have a lot of email addresses now, which I have to go through and <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, no, you're, no, this, it's a great podcast. You have great interviews yeah. on there, and, and we definitely uh, we, we promote your show as much as possible. Um, I think the best thing about your show is that it, it's not just a couple comedians throwing jokes at each other. It's right. actually people getting down and talking about mm-hmm. real things and, and and how comedy is an art and why the art exists and why it needs to continue. And I think that's awesome. And uh, it actually means something. Right. Right. <laughs> Whereas uh, most of our stuff is just goofy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but here's a quick question for you. Uh, so behind the bits podcast, I know you're also a stand-up comedian. Uh, what would you say is either the the pinnacle of what you're trying to do with your show, or at least the next step of what the show could get to? You know. I think the pinnacle of it would be a listenership that is really engaged with each other and me. So that's what I'm, I'm working on. And right now I've got a lot of listeners. I've got, you know, I've, everything is going better than I expected. I would like to have a little bit more contact with people, getting feedback, uh, creating some, some groups of people that are like-minded and be able to, you know, just brainstorm like what you guys do, just, just talk about the business, talk about jokes and stuff like that. So I, that, that would be really the next step for me. Um, obviously, you know, I want to interview good people. I'm not looking for the most famous people in the world, but you know, if you want to talk about the pinnacle, if I could get Dave Letterman, that would, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, Letterman that'd be a good interview. Yeah. yeah, he's got the beard now. We're trying to get Letterman yeah. also. Yeah, <laughs> keeps telling me not to call him. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. He keeps telling me he said that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, talking about Letterman, um, inspiration. Do you have anyone that you pull like from? Do you have anyone that you would really credit as someone who was like integral to the start of Behind the Bits? Is there anyone you kind of like? I mean, we talked about aspiration. Is there someone you would say that you like came from? If that makes sense, wording wise. Yeah, you know, it's really funny when I was a kid and I'm talking I was probably 9, 10 years old maybe. I used to watch the Mike Douglas show a lot and that was an afternoon talk show 5 days a week and Tom Dreesen was on the show and I watched him do his act and I was just in love with Tom Dreesen. He did this joke about um he never did drugs and somebody offered him drugs and um said it's great it feels like the back of your head's falling off and he says and i always paraphrase this wrong but uh he said uh, well why don't you just light my cigarette and hit me in the back of the head with a shovel and call it done so <laughs> i i heard that joke and and you know when i was growing up there was no internet or anything i had a tv that had dials on it with no remote and a TV guide. So I was always looking at the TV guide for when he was going to be on Mike Douglas, Dinah Shore, Merv Griffin, Carson. You know, I was always looking for those dates and watching him whenever I could. And then I kind of went on and I, you know, I got goofy, obviously, when I was in junior high and stuff like that. And I discovered Steve Martin. And so I was really into him for a while. But then Letterman started doing, first of all, the morning show. So the morning show didn't last for a long time. He did that first. But then late night started. And I was just like up every night watching late night. And all the way, all the way through CBS and stuff like that, I 
just watch Lutterman all the time. And he was, he was like me. And my, my mom used to say, Oh, you're just acting like that David Letterman again. And I'm like, and I'm like, no, really it's me. We're just kind of the same. So it's, that he's really my guy. He's, he's the one, his sensibility, the sarcasm, the, um, kind of thumb in your nose at being famous type stuff. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're, we're a couple of guys that are into like, well, at least having older technology, you know, you talk about your TV with the dials on it. Yeah. Uh, Dylan will yell at me about watching VHS tapes. Um, <laughs> It's a dead format. It is a dead format. It's not like vinyl. Uh, But I remember of like my favorite shows having like, you know, the ones recorded that I taped them live and I would watch them over and over again. And I had like, you know, my collection of like my favorite SNLs and my favorite, uh, you know, Saved by the Bell Mm -hmm. and uh, some of the state also. Did you have any of like your favorite Letterman episodes recorded anywhere that you would go back to and kind of revisit? You know, I think I did uh, back in VHS days. I had the one where uh, Crispin Glover tried to kick him. Um, you can look that up. And weird guy. Yeah, and he's pretty, he's kind of a genius. But uh, he's uh, on that particular episode. It wasn't wasn't very good. You know, I had uh, the one where he was in the Alka Seltzer suit. Um, I absolutely loved when he would throw watermelons off the top of the building uh, and. <laughs> So I, I had a couple of those, but I mean, they're lost forever now and I just have to find them on YouTube. Yeah. I just like having that old media, like even, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have as much as I do as I used to, but like no. just having an old episode of something you still in, like, oh, I love this. I actually um, think that I taped over, we used to have this old VHS camcorder when the kids were little. And I think I taped over some Letterman, like recording the kids at Easter or something. Yeah. My dad still has like the very last episode of Seinfeld. Uh, on a VHS tape huh. that he like recorded live and oh. he'll watch it with the commercials. It's so, okay. so weird. Um, so I used to do some stand-up comedy back in uh, Philadelphia and I know that you're obviously a stand-up comedian. We talked about that earlier. Um, one thing that was uh, a big push for me was trying to create jokes, which led to me creating very weird stories, which turned into, you know, either you know, movies or comic books or anything. Um, mm-hmm because you are in the joke creation business also, does that ever lead you down writing fiction or writing your own stories or movies? Actually, I haven't started yet. I do. I've got, I'm like you guys, I get all these ideas and I just file them away for later use, but I do have some ideas. I'm kind of a horror guy. Uh, I was a big, always been a big Stephen King fan, Clive Barker and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm into horror and I've actually got uh, a couple ideas in the horror science fiction type realm. Uh, so I, I can say it out loud. The, uh, this guy, um, when he's growing up, uh, he's supposed to go to a party after his graduation. He doesn't go and his, uh, three best friends get murdered and they're murdered in such a way that they're like dismembered and, uh, it's really bad. Uh, he ends up, um, uh, going into the Marines, I think, and, um, becoming uh, a CIA guy and like a, a hitman for the CIA, but then he gets out of that and then he ends up becoming, you know, this, this loner, this, this guy who's all by himself, but he runs like a financial company, a financial investment company. And, uh, he doesn't believe in much of anything because of everything that's happened to him. And he goes to see a fortune teller and she tells him that, uh, 
hey, you're, you're supposed to be saving the world here, and we need to send you back in time. So he goes back in time as, as uh, uh, an 18-year-old kid, but it's with the, the age and mentality of a 55, 56-year-old guy. So it's, it's going back like that, and he's tr trying to stop what happened. And, and what happened turns out to be like this uh, conspiracy of a different race of people that are trying to wipe out the whole universe. So it's, it's that, that I, I've got notes written and stuff like that. I just haven't started writing it. <laughs> I, I think Dylan was got it. taking notes the whole time. <laughs> Oh, I hope one of these uh, one of these pitches doesn't sound too familiar to you. So I got this like time travel murder CIA yeah, different race of people idea. Yeah. Um, I think one of the, the interesting things about horror, and the weird thing is, like, Dylan and I, you know, a, a comedian background, Dylan mm -hmm. uh, tells people he's funny. Um, but one of the things that I think we fall back on when, for some reason, when we're writing is a lot of horror is what comes out. A lot of mayhem. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's because, like, horror and comedy touch very similar things. Like, yeah. if you think about it, they both make you make a sound that you don't expect mm -hmm. to make. Like, right. the, laugh, the laugh and that fear kind of yelp. Yeah. It's a very similar thing. I've, I've heard the theory that evolutionarily the laugh is when it's like, oh, thug think lion behind rock. No lion behind rock. <laughs> and then you let the tension out by laughing. Oh, cool. Uh -huh. So it kind of evolved into comedy as, like, you lead someone down a tense road and then the just spring being uncoiled is the laughter. Yeah. And you just huh. relax. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Ooh, I'm looking at that. Um, <laughs> I might just be completely making that up, but I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. I think you are, but you should write that down. That's yeah. a good idea. <laughs> uh, so you obviously are now uh, in, in some people's minds, uh, uh, an award-winning podcaster as far as interviews. That's and what we say at least. Minds. Yeah. Um, so, out of all the interviews that you've had so far, which one stands out to you or which one would you say is like That's a highlight? Question. You have better questions. Be my question. <laughs> well, obviously my first, you know, I got to talk to my idol. I got to talk to Tom Dreesen. So that's that's one of my absolute favorites. And strangely enough, my second was with a comedian named Stuart Huff, who's a very philosophical guy. And I've seen him several times live and he's, He's a very deep guy. He's he's somebody that doesn't want to get famous. He's had offers to be on TV shows and stuff like that, and I actually passed him up because he just wants to be a road comic. So that was another really good one. Um, when I you know, I I hate to say that any of my others are favorites. Those first two, I was probably not as good of an interviewer. Um, but what I got out of it was still really good because Dreesen, I had heard him on a couple other podcasts and he just did like a script. He just said this, this, and this, I, I worked with Frank, I did this and this, and it was just all the same thing. And I got him to talk about stuff that he didn't, uh, that he didn't talk about on other podcasts. So I felt pretty good about that, but they're all, I mean, everybody brings something different to the table. I I'm very, I'm very aware of the fact of when I'm talking. Um, I try to do an 80-20 rule. So that means they talk 80% and I talk 20. So that's why it's hard for me to be interviewed because I don't like to talk that much. But um, but uh, I like to let things go where the guest takes me, where the comic takes me. And I, one thing I've learned that's very, very important when you're interviewing is shut up 
because when you ask a question, they're going to answer it, and then they're going to be thinking a little bit more. They're going to be thinking about more things to say. Don't jump in after they pause. Let them finish that thought and let them talk, and you get a lot more out of them. So that's that's one of my one of the tricks I've learned just to shut up, ask the question, and let them talk until you know that they're done. Am I still here? Are you done? Oh, I was just making sure. <laughs> I was going to let that Yeah, we didn't know what, yeah. No, I mean, Andy Kaufman was the guy that says the most funniest thing in the world is silence. And yeah. if, you can, if you can maintain the silence, then you're great. Oh, yeah. Uh, you had a question? I did, and you asked it. I asked it? <laughs> it was going to be what the what your favorite episode was or who your favorite interview was. So That's did, all right. We did our research before interviewing uh, a great podcaster like you, and it turns out that you do also an award-winning impression of Dean Martin. <laughs> now, we're, we're not going to ask you to do the impression nah. because we don't need you to show us up that much on our own show. But if you could do another impression of any celebrity, what impression do you wish you could do? Yeah, I, I've always really enjoyed the uh, cadence of, um, oh, what's the guy's name? Um, was, oh, He's dead, um, but uh, oh, Jimmy Stewart. I've, oh. I've J Jimmy Stewart has always been, you know, really cool. But I, 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 I just, I, I don't have it. And, 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 and just to let you know, that's not a Dean Martin impression. Dean Martin is like upstairs, sacked out in my spare bedroom right now. So just FYI. of course, yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't want to correct Zach on the air. Yeah. <laughs> Again. And I didn't want to put Dylan in that position. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say you wanted to be able to imitate Christopher Lee, but that, maybe that's just me. Christopher Lee is a, is a cool one. You need a lot of teeth for that. I have though. seen it. Yeah, you need way more bottom teeth. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's always been like a John Malkovich. I feel like Malkovich. Oh is like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like his speaking style is so odd, and I can never do it. But uh, yeah, whatever. Um, well, here's our question. While Dylan, oh, do you have one? I, I have. Well, kind. Of, it, this is a goofy question. It's inspired by a question a friend of mine asked at work. If you could take any movie that you've ever seen and replace everybody except one person in it with Muppets, which movie and which human actor would you maintain? Because my answer was being John Malkovich, and you keep John Malkovich. But everybody else is Muppets. That's creepy. Right? But a good answer. I, 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 questions on my mind. Scott, I'm going to pose it to you. I, this is very easy for me. It'd be Cool Hand Luke, except for Paul Newman is the one that's not a Muppet. So okay. Strother Martin is a Muppet. He's got the got the white hair and stuff like that. Uh, George Kennedy is a big Muppet, and yeah, and and uh, the the eggs that he eats are fake and stuff like that. Oh yeah, Cool Hand Luke for sure. Uh, that's cool. That's one of those movies that not a lot of people know has a sequel. I didn't. It's uh, the Color of Money. That's a sequel to Cool Hand Luke, mm -hmm. huh? Yeah, uh, known big known fact, I guess. Yeah. Um. Okay, here's another question for you. If your podcast could fight another podcast, not you fighting the person, your podcast fighting another podcast, which podcast would you fight? Uh, I would definitely go after Mark Marin. I go after WTF. Take that mother. Take that guy down. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, Mark Marin. He's good in the Joker. Yeah. Oh yeah, he is in the Joker. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I sometimes I have a I have kind of a go-to question, but I have asked Scott this question on his show. Yeah, true. So I'm going to skip the intermediate and just ask you, why clean comedy? It's just it's what I look like. I, I look like a clean comic. I 
I feel like a clean comic when I get up there. It's really funny because obviously you guys know outside of it, I'm not clean at all. I, I, I swear a lot. You know, I'm not a bad person, I don't think, but I swear a lot. And But when I get up there, if I say a, a dirty word and I've tried it, I don't feel right. It, and uh, the whole cadence goes off. Everything Everything's wrong. And I just have to lean into it, and that's what I am. Oh, I think there's something to be said for not having to rely on being crass in order to maintain comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Have yeah. You ever, have you ever tried the opposite? Have you ever wrote a clean joke and then slipped in a cuss word accidentally when telling somebody? Um, actually, I did it on purpose, and it it actually went over very well. And hmm. it was it was actually it was a note that somebody gave me. Another comic said, "Hey, say this," and I said it. It went over super well. I felt crappy. I felt like the hmm. the joke was wrong, and I never said it again. And I, I, I changed, I changed the joke up a little bit because of that. And it's still a good joke, but I, I won't ever say, say it the way I said it before. Yeah. Right yeah. on. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Um, what would you say is your favorite joke to tell? Honestly, it's one of the first ones I wrote and it's because it's based on real stuff. And most of my stuff is based on real stuff. It's uh, about being called an air, uh, older Harrison Ford. And uh, this really happened. I, I went to a Speedway gas station and I bought a Diet Sunkissed Orange because that's a treat I like to give myself. And I went up and paid for it. And the cashier said, hey, you look like an older Harrison Ford. And I'm like, thanks. And that's the end of the real part. Uh, so I, I, I knew he was older than me. I didn't do anything, but what I do, what I've changed it up to is it's amazing how many thoughts can go through your head during the three seconds it takes you to get from the cash register to the door. Harrison Ford's a pretty good looking guy. I think he's older than me. Wait a minute. He's 76 or he's 77 and I'm 56. <laughs> and then I call back to the cashier and say, young lady, uh, are you sure you didn't mean younger Harrison Ford? And she says, nope. And that's pretty much the end of the joke. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good joke. Yeah, that's not bad. You got any more? Or should we get I, on think, this? I think we're getting on there. Well, we have the most important question we ask people, though. Of course. Uh, we, we are nerds. And uh, it seems like you have a little bit of nerd culture back there. Uh, and a question that we've asked people because it actually spans every single person that we can ask. It spans their life. But who, in your opinion is the best Batman. I, okay. I grew up with Adam West and watching that Batman, but my personal opinion, and you got to know that I don't really care that much about Batman movies. I've watched a few of them, but it's not like a thing for me. I don't watch them twice. I got to go with my, one of my favorite actors in the world. And that's Michael Keaton. That's okay. That's yeah. an acceptable answer. Oh yeah. Yeah. We also would have accepted Ben Affleck. Mm -hmm. uh, we also would have accepted Adam West. Christian we would have Bale. accepted almost all of them. Yeah. Except yeah. for one. We're not going to mention it. Yeah. I can tell you a quick story about the original Batman. Yes. So I loved, this, I loved it so much. My parents said I would just be glued to the set. And my mom got me a little plastic Batman ring. And what it did, it was, it was from the show. And it was one of those things that changed as you moved it. And so it was, it was Adam West's head. And then it was the bat symbol and, and all that. Well, 
one day I decided just to put it in my mouth and I swallowed it and it actually blocked my air passage. So I was choking. Now this is before the Heimlich was widely known and my mom <laughs> just grabbed me and stuck her finger down my throat, grabbed the ring and saved my life. And <laughs> All right. And I just, I, I, I'm always thankful for long fingers. Uh, I've got long <laughs> fingers and so did she. So that, that's, Batman almost killed me, and she saved my life. That's a lot of that's some things a lot of kids these days yeah. never know. Like yeah, how, like the parents finger yeah. down the throat. Yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, all right. Well, another question I like to ask you, and I kind of forgot about this earlier, and it, it seems like it always kind of comes up for some reason. Um, and everyone has a celebrity interaction where they've uh, touched a celebrity or has been near one, and they've had like a weird celebrity story that doesn't pertain to interviewing a celebrity. Uh, what is your celebrity story? You know, I don't have many. I've been around a lot of comics, but the kind of the weirdest one was my wife and I were flying. We were flying out of South Bend. I don't remember exactly where we were going. I don't think the kids were with it. Maybe they were, maybe we we're flying to Florida, but uh, Tommy Smothers was there. And I've always been kind of a Smothers Brothers fan. And so, I mean, you can't miss Tommy Smothers, you know, tall, tall, thin, bald guy. And I was actually scared to go say hi to him. So there he was. And I was a fan. I love this show. I love Pat Paulson and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't say hi to him. So it was a total missed opportunity. Smothers Brothers. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. Right on. Uh, mine is uh, Robbie Knievel, but I'm, yeah. not gonna, I'm not going to get into that. Oh. <laughs> that story makes me so angry. It, that's a time. scuzzy story. Dude, it makes me is he like his dad? Uh, is his dad a complete turd? Yeah. Uh, well, then, yeah, he's a lot like his okay. dad. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the story off air because uh, it is grimy. <laughs> yeah. yeah I um, but uh, Okay, so we're going to get into our portion phase of the show. Phase two. Yeah, phase two. Uh, and this is where, uh, this is mine and Dylan's weekly meeting. And what we do is we bring an odd idea to the table, which is usually one sentence or a question mm -hmm. or something. And then we decide which one to go through. And today, because you're here, you're going to be the one to decide for us. So Dylan and I don't get into more fights. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Ideally, yeah. it's going to happen, but yeah, at least it's not our fault this time. Do you want to go first? I don't care. Do you want to go first? Did I go first last time? I've presented the losing idea for the past three weeks, so why don't you go first this time? Because okay, cool. I brought something different. Right. All right. So I have an idea, and I'm glad that you mentioned how much you're into horror, because the idea that I have this week uh, is horror-centric, and it is uh, scary because it uses social media. So the idea that I had was a guy really wants to have a movie made about his life, so he compiles like the 100 best movie murder deaths ever and then tries to complete them all to have an ultimate movie made about him and then like the reddit community gets together and stops it somehow like oh, how they do with the kids that's the real horror aspect right there yeah you have to write about reddit gotta write about reddit <laughs> i'm not gonna ask any questions about it but we'll definitely write about it um yeah so uh the concept is that a guy wants to have a movie made about himself using the 100 best movie deaths uh and then reddit stops it that's oh. the uh, so Seven, but a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Seven, but with a uh, with a bit of a, I guess a little bit of Black Mirror in there. So, and the clever name that I'm going to come up with real fast is Murder AMA. 
gross. Well, you know, because it's Reddit. Yeah, no, I get it. Okay. Don't worry about it. I get it. <laughs> All right. Murder AMA. Oh, it's a good uh, title. What do you got? So, full disclosure, Thanks. this idea is not necessarily entirely mine. This was inspired by someone, a friend of ours, who okay. watched the show and suggested that I might bring this up forward. Okay. Because the spider interview isn't going anywhere. Well, it's supposed to be So, <laughs> this is, it's also slightly more because I have, like, a poster idea for it. Oh, okay. So, the main character is like a like a like a beat cop. Okay. Just a uniform cop. Oh, not a vegetable. No. And okay. one day, he gets in like an accident, or he runs afoul of like a gang or something. And as he is dying, he gets possessed by a demon. Mm. And the, the, it's called Deadbeat. And the tagline Ooh. is "Possession is nine tenths of the law." Oh <laughs> gosh, that's good. And I imagine it's probably something like RoboCop, but with like The Exorcist or something in there. RoboCop meets The Exorcist. That's, <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. Oh, all right, I might not win this week. We're both doing horror. <laughs> Who knows? That's true. Yeah. All right, we're gonna throw a couple horror ideas at you, Mr. Scott Curtis. Please choose which one that we get to figure out what kind of story this is. Yeah, I got. I gotta say the. The the tagline for Deadbeat makes me want to know more. Uh, I, I I I like yours, Zach, but just just the fact that you could build from that tagline is absolute gold to me. Dude, that is good. It. I got it. Yeah, throwing up. Nine tenths of all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. Murder AMA is hanging on for another week yeah. or something. All right. Cool. And we'll figure that out. All, All right. right. Well, uh, obviously, Scott Curtis, thank you very much. Uh, before we get into this real fast, if you want to tell people where to find you, uh, they just tuned in right now for whatever reason. Yeah, on all the social media, just type in uh, Behind the Bits Podcast and you'll find me, uh, except for Twitter. It's the BTBPC or the BTBPC, and my website's the BTBPC.com. But to listen to the podcast, just type in Behind the Bits and you're good to go. Awesome, awesome. Cool. All right, cool. Well, let's get into this. Uh, so, Scott, you are more than welcome to hang around and help us figure this out. Yeah, I'm um, going to hang. Cool. Yeah, right on. Uh, for those of you at home who are just watching us right now, this is Talking Upstream. Mm -hmm. My name is Dylan. This is Zach at the whiteboard. And we are some nobodies. And what Talking Upstream is, it's a 90-minute writer's room discussion between Zach and I and our guest on occasion, Scott Curtis, where we bring two ideas to the board and we develop them out. And this week, the idea that we're going to be focusing on is, I'm going to say a movie. I'm going to say this is a feature. It definitely feels like a movie. Called Deadbeat, about yeah. a cop who gets possessed by a demon, and the tagline is, possession is nine-tenths of the law. Oh, gosh. The tagline is so good. Okay. So this is a movie. Um, did you want to have... All right. So, Scott, you, you see a movie called Deadbeat, and you see a poster, and we're not really sure what's on it. Probably like a dead cop or something, oh, or at least like maybe a hat. It's on the ground. I'm imagining him like line. in his uniform leaning against the car or something, and half of his face is like red and he has like a weird shadow or something. That's cool. So you see this poster and it says possession is nine tenths of the law. What decade do you think this movie's in? I'd pop that straight into the eighties. I agree. Yeah. 100%. yeah. Okay. We're talking a lot of like neon, a lot of neon noir yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Cool. Pre uh, Tim Burton kind of yeah. real stuff. All right, cool. So we got this 80s movie here, and we have a movie and a tagline. Mm -hmm. Possession is nine-tenths of a yeah. Okay, so where we usually start is we usually start with characters. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we're going to need a cop, mm -hmm. right? So we have a 
the comp that's the guy before. He's a patrolman or something. Yeah, just a normal motorcycle cop. or car or a horse. Mm. Is that horse? See, like in Chicago, do they still do horses in Chicago or in New the York? 80s? I don't know. They do everything in Chicago in the eighties. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, is he a bike cop, like at a uh, like in, like a bicycle cop? Yeah, like I, I say either cars. motorcycle or c- patrol car. Cool, I like motorcycle. Yeah, That's so eighties. We're okay. We're we're making this like cheese. Yeah, of course. All right, so he's uh he's a he's a bike patrol cop. Okay, we're also probably gonna need what kind of demon this is. Yeah. Uh, possessing him, right? So we have a demon. I mean, pos- not Pazuzu. No, it's too obvious. Um, we're also going to have to work on this time. Theme? Okay. I just wanted to see what oh, you were wow, writing. I just stopped writing <laughs> mid, mid-word. That's crazy. I think I was writing Demon Team. Oh, Demom. That, that's another movie. Uh, that's a sequel <laughs> with Sylvester Stallone and his I mom. I that way wrong. That's, that's okay. All right. So we're also going to work on a timeline. Yeah. So we know one very clear part. Yeah. Is that this cop's got to go. Yeah. Right? So, how far into this movie do you think the cops got to pass? It needs to be late enough that we've established that he has people who are going to care about him. Yeah. And that he does his job well, I would say. I'd say he's an idealistic rookie or something. Okay. He shoots above his pay grade on this one job. Scott, uh, about how long into RoboCop did Alex Murphy uh, get the final award, or however you want to say that. I think it was 20 minutes, right? About 20 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, it's not bad. Minutes. So, if this is an hour and a half movie, 20, 15, 20 minutes sounds great. Totally works. I love that. So, this is about the 15 minute mark, and this is where we're going to have the classic tombstone. That's for the cop. Sure. Right. Does he actually die, or does he get well, like near death and like he's just the demon sustaining him? Oh, I guess we got to figure out what kind of possession it is. Yeah. So if he's like one of those Satanists, uh, he could have got the possession of himself, or now, it could have been forced on him by a lover or a partner. It is the '80s. This is full-on grip of the Satanic Panic of the '80s. That's like true. back when people thought playing D and D was going to cause you to learn how to shoot magic out of your fingers. Yeah, Metallica was going to make yeah weird stuff. Yeah, listening to music backwards. <laughs> Do you want to go full cheese on like everything in this? Like, I mean, it's the eighty. It's an eighty okay. possession cop movie, so I feel like it's uh, it feels I, cheesy. I want to nail down his character first. I think yeah, is he is he married or is he? Because I think there needs to be a significant other of some he's sort. Eighties cop. He's got to be married. Yeah. Agree, Scott. Actually, I think I would go with girlfriend okay. rather than married, and I. Th- I don't think he's a great guy. He's like on the cusp of being kind of a jerk. Okay. Um, and that's how he got possessed in the first place. Um, okay. And I, I want to say that the possession comes from something, somebody he encountered or something that he found or, you know, you know what I mean? Oh, um, cool. And it's, it's a result of an action. It's a result of something that he did that he got possessed. Is he so, busting a cult meeting and he gets accidentally targeted or that, or does he uncover some kind of at the dock port, this one ship container like breaks open on him while he's like yeah. busting some, good the criminals guys. are inter interfering with like a museum shipment. But I do kind of like your idea of like busting in like a like a like a cult meeting and then getting possessed like, but accidentally. But if he's not a good guy, we need something bad to happen to him. It can't be yeah. You know what I mean? It can't be like 
I don't want to root for this guy if he's a bad dude. No. So I say that he maybe is meeting like a bad person at the docks. Okay. And then something happens and it breaks open. Is he a crooked cop? He's a crooked cop. Okay. Yeah. How crooked? Not very. Yeah. He's just so, he's being tempted. Yeah. Maybe his parent is in like a like a uh, one of those homes. And he needs money. I feel like that was a big trope sure. for a long time. It's like, I need money for yeah. this nursing home or something. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 like a junior bad guy. Like yeah. he's right right on the cusp. He doesn't know if he's gonna be bad or good. I like that. He's a junior baddie. So I think I think it makes sense if we start with him just kind of going through his day. He blows off his girlfriend for drinking with the boys after work or something like that. He's you know, he's not a nice person necessarily, but right. he's not a bad guy. He's not a bad guy, but he's not necessarily a nice person. Not a bad guy, but he definitely takes. Yeah. When he probably should. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm cool with that. He rides the line. But either way, it still needs to be the possession needs to happen at this at this yeah. point. Uh, so now we're just going to have this as a ghost. Sure. And it's a weird looking ghost. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is a ghost. Just trust me. <laughs> trust me on that one. Okay, so we also have to have like a partner, right? Some kind of uh, some partner who's probably yeah. even worse. Maybe the partner's really bad. Yeah. And it's an accidental. He doesn't know it yet, yeah. but the partner is responsible for it. We yeah. find out later on somehow that the partner was in cahoots with the cult. Maybe the partner is just giving him money to help out now, the situation, but he's getting it in a bad way. I'm leaning towards cults, but I always lean towards that. So if it feels yeah. like I'm going back to the same will, stop me. Like, for real. What was the last cult thing we did? Here? What? Not in no. real life. Don't talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> uh, actually, I don't know if we've done it on, like, do talking upstream, but I do, it all, I do it a lot in, like, other stuff. Yeah, we'll get there. All right, this is a cult movie. All right. Yeah, I like that. 80s uh, cults. We're making a cult movie. I did watch Mandy on Halloween. That's a good movie. Oh, it is a good movie. What, what's your favorite cult movie, Scott? Not maybe not about movie. cults. Okay, yeah, yeah, movie about cults. Ooh, about cults. Uh, you know, the original Wicker Man was one of my favorites. Christopher uh, Lee. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love Christopher yeah. Lee. So I, I'd put that as one of my top ones. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. cool with that. So then we need to have a cult leader. Oh yeah. Is he the mayor? Ooh. Of Chicago? Or is he the cop partner? Or the partner's the, the leader. Or is he the chief of police? He is a figure of authority in real life as well as in the supernatural. So we definitely have a cult leader. It's like the mayor's assistant. And they're always the cool ones. They have the they, I costume. think they all need to be under the guise of evangelistic Christians, though. Um, and sure. the, the, the cult is beyond that. So... Uh, I would say the leader is probably like a TV preacher and, like and is very well connected to the mayor and, and it's all, it's all intertwined. Yeah. That's cool. Wait, are there, so I guess all possessions normally are like demons. Yeah, sure. Do Christians have like, uh, like a possessable or a possessing kind of force? that's like, Oh yeah. The exorcist, like you've seen the exorcist. Yeah, but it's like, but would would a would a Christian put like an evil thing on somebody, or they try to put like a good? I assume that was all just a disguise. Okay. I assume that they are masquerading. All right. Well, I like I like the evangel yeah. thing. I like the mayor thing. That's cool. Uh, so the cult leader is. Uh... Yeah, uh, a TV preacher. Yeah. Oh, evangel. Mega church leader. 
TV preach dude. Cool. Okay, so I guess we're gonna have to see uh, one of the cop things, right? Like uh, a bust go normal. Yeah. And then we'll see like how the partner does something shady. It's in the it starts with the it starts with main cop and partner in on like a bust of some something at the docks. Yeah. And there's like a stone tablet or something from ancient Sumeria. Yeah. Because it's always it's always Sumeria. Isn't it always? Kinda. I'm fine with that. that. It's it's a it it's you know historically there's nothing like particularly ominous about it, but it it's an ominous sounding name. Yeah. Also, really good coffee comes from there, right? Sumerian coffee. I don't know. I don't think. Why, why did I just write down Sumerian coffee? <laughs> okay, so we have the cop thing. Uh, so we're gonna go through a normal dock bust. Yeah. And is this when something happens, or do we, or is this like a, is this a normal? There, there's the implication that his partner is sneaking the tablet out because we hear later on that it never like reached evidence or something. Ooh. So they're like they're heisting the stuff. Or they recovered it, but it never made its way back to the museum. Yeah. All right. I'm into that. But we don't learn about that until later. Yeah. When, yeah. Um, so what do we see that happens? How does the possession occur? Is this accidental or is it forced because he knows too much? I feel like they're going to knock him out. They're going to take him out because he knows too much. And then maybe the demon targets him as like an opportune target. Cool. Uh, can I throw Can I throw an alternate thing always, in there? Please. Okay. So they, they find the tablet. His partner is part of this cult. And he knows the tablet is supposed to go to the cult leader, and yet it's supposed to go to go to evidence. So he, the partner intercepts it, but he accidentally leaves it in our hero's car. And during the time that he drives home is when the possession occurs, and and then we go on from there. That Ooh. that yeah. Okay. We don't see the possession happen until he is about to get knocked out, and then the demon's like, oh, "I guess it's my turn." <laughs> yeah, he great. gets like gets in a wreck or something um, on the way. It's something pretty innocuous that that kills him. You don't want it to be like a grand death because what's happening happening <laughs> before after that is the is the big part. So something really not maybe even um, on his way home he tries to help somebody that's stranded and they shoot him or something. You know, yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's something mundane that like it needs to be something he could conceivably walk away from so people aren't questioning why they see him alive afterwards. Very true. Right. So he's gonna walk away at unless best. unless it's supposed to be vigilante, but I like the idea that he's not vigilante necessarily yes. afterwards. Now, does like the tablet crack and that's what lets the possessed thing out? Or does it just happen? Because it would make sense, like it comes back and it's like you know the, the car is glowing red, and yeah. in there and like there's like a crack in the tablet, yeah. Like, oh, whatever this was in here, is it like that kind of thing? Wouldn't it be cool? I I, I know I'm talking a lot here, but wouldn't it be cool because we're in the we're in the 80s, metal is bad. This metal song comes up from this sappy band, and because they use some of the language in that tablet. It actually activates the tablet and then the spirit <laughs> awakens and jumps into him. Dude, that's, that, a really, that's good. That's a great idea. Oh, Scott, you are on here because you talk. We, you are <laughs> no for, for real. When, when you're a guest on the show, you are free to contribute as much as you like. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I love, I, I love talking through this stuff. Yeah, please just get, give us everything because it, it only makes it better. You're 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 funny. So, so he gets possessed on the way home because 
the metal song on the radio has lyrics which line up to the tablet, which I'm, I'm fu- I like that. Dude, I think that's very um, because if this tablet is on display, if we're in Chicago at the Field Museum, it makes sense that people might be trying to cash in on that exhibit. Yeah. So it's like local metal band, uh, I Iron Vikings. I don't know. No, Nightshade Table. I'm just going to go back yeah. to every band name we yeah. use. Local metal band Nightshade Table wrote yeah. this song for the exhibit at the Field Museum, and then you know, they go on with their Latin. And then I think there does need to be something which happens to him that clues everybody into him being possessed. Like, either a car accident, or he's helping someone who gets like a roadside... I don't know. Gets It's Chicago in the 80s. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's got to be right near death, and and the possession actually heals him. So does he get like almost carjacked by the uh, metal guys or is he listening to a metal song? He's listening to it on the radio. I think. Okay, cool. So he's, he stops. uh, Is it one of those? Like, is it like a raunchy Chicago? Yeah. People are like, Hey, come down here. They kind of get you in an alley. He's stopping. He's stopping at like a red light or something. He sees something. He, it's his sense of duty where he feels like he has to go help someone at like a red light or something where he sees someone getting harassed yeah. and it goes, it escalates beyond his control. And then he notices like, I didn't feel that at all. And then he, you hear a voice and it's some, Oh, so the possession happens before he stops. He gets possessed in the car when the song goes on okay, and he cool. doesn't notice it until the I demon like prevents something from happening to him. Now I understand <laughs> a little bit of venom. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, he leaves the car possessed. Yeah. And he, as he goes up, and he's like a little more tough guy. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, punks, and he's like kicking stuff. And but they just go to shoot him, and it doesn't, and it doesn't work. Yeah. You know what yeah. Yeah, it's great. Or um, they stab him, and it just heals up right away. Yeah. That's and better. he's like, oh, what's this? So he fe- he's feeling superhuman, and he doesn't know he's possessed yet. But then he starts doing some sketchy stuff after mm-hmm. that because he's like, hey, I can outlive anything. So we, we're going to have to have like a sketchy cop montage here. Right? Yeah. So this is, I, I'm going to, I'm going to pitch something for later in the demon's going to try and eventually take over his body entirely, which is why the tagline is like, I'm already here. Yeah. And it's like uh-huh. only 90%. Yeah. Something, something <laughs> like that. But eventually the conflict becomes, he does eventually need to exercise it out of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eventually. Now we also need to. Ha- so if you're going to do a full possession, right, yeah, you would need to have him go on a tear. Yeah. So mm-hmm. is the tear a good tear or a bad tear? Well intentioned. Because if he goes up against like the cult leader and mm-hmm. it's like a rah, but it works out in the benefit of everybody, that could be cool. True. Is that what you're thinking? Well, we don't know yet. Part maybe partially, not okay. not what's well, not write that in stone yet. And where <laughs> or a tablet? Uh, where do you think the full possession should take over? I think during the second act, he starts realizing that it's more serious. And then at the end of the second act, it's like it kind of like hijacks him for an extended period of time. All right, cool. So at the first end of the the, the first act, right? The yeah. first uh, third, we're going to say that's when he gains the knowledge that he is possessed. That's when he and the demon interact fully, where they are on equal footing. Like, what is this what's happening? Yes, this is what's happening. And then the second act is him kind of working it out and having a good time, slowly descending. So then it's going to go into a almost me, myself, and Irene kind of situation? I suppose so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so the, they're going to work together a little bit? I think I think at first a little bit because, I mean, it would try to earn his trust yeah. to start by helping him out. So then we're going to say that at this part, at the two-third part, that's when the 
he starts trying to deny it, and then the demon's like, I can undo what I've given you. And then the stab wound opens up, oh, and it closes yeah. again, and he goes, remember, like, yeah, you're here on my sufferance, or something like that. So there's going to be... Something appropriately, like, archaic and ancient-sounding. Now, yeah. we're going to say that the demon has a motive, right? Which is why it's possessed. Like, it, does it want something? Do we want to go big with this one? Or we want him to, like break the gates of the underworld or something and this is his foothold in the material world i don't understand that but yes i don't know i'm i'm speaking generically yeah i'm not one of your rather your regular goth friends i don't know what the i know stuff means yeah <laughs> well, I and that also ties in with the cult the the cult would the cult would be working towards the same end true the cult eventually realizes that they don't have the tablet and they're like hey jeremy where'd the tablet go maybe they get the tablet and it doesn't work because the Oh yeah, the things in it. The guy, uh, his partner, gets it out of the car and is like, "Oh yeah, I should take this up to evidence," and then just takes it to the leader. All right, so that's going to happen right around the same time, right? I feel like the cut, yeah. the, the the partner should know about the the tablet thing. So this is when the partner finds out that the tablet doesn't work anymore, or the tablet does not have a demon. Yeah, I think that's cool. I imagine we have a lot of like 80s style synth electronica as the like a lot of vapor wave as the uh, soundtrack. Yeah, oh, yeah. And that's yeah. how the one nightshade table song stands out. <laughs> yeah, because it has a real like chugging guitar. <laughs> it is going at it. Um, what do you want to work on here? I think we need. I think we need just a more basic. I think we need foundations on everything. I would think we need to flush out characters a little bit. We need to do a little bit more timeline. Yeah. How they eventually get it figured out. And whether there's that like pre-credits stinger, you know, we're not it's we're not doing a post-credit scene, but we're doing like that pre-credit like question mark at the end, yeah. Where like it shows the tablet in the field museum display late at night, and then like one of the letters starts glowing red or something. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Scott, what is a way that uh, he could lose the possession? I would think that uh, he's gonna. <sighs> In that period where he's like in the honeymoon period, there is going to be some things that he does that are, quote, good, um, like some vigilante type stuff, like you mentioned. Um, but I think there's going to be a point where, like, the girlfriend's best friend is killed um, indirectly because of his possession. And that's where he starts to realize, hey, this isn't so good. Um, and I think the only way that he can get out of it is if you're looking for that that thing at the end, that uh, post-credit thing, is that he has to give it to somebody else. That's the only Ooh. way that he can get rid of it. Because he's still got the tablet. And mm -hmm. he's still got the song, so something. There's got to be another song on yeah. the CD. Of course, it's a CD because it's the mid '80s. It, there's another song on the CD that puts the demon back in the tablet. You play? Do you play that song backwards? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's cool. Okay, so he has to he has to pay, pay, pay it forward pretty much. Does he pay it forward, or does he put it back in the tablet for storage? Only because it feels like there should be something that feels like. A clean wrap-up, but not quite. Oh, or so do the they think it still exists? Yeah, the yeah. tablet still exists. Or do they think that it does that? Or does the partner get away without anybody being the wiser? And the partner's left to maybe be the one to actually get it out from the museum again. I would say the partner doesn't get away. Okay, but his 
his boss does. So the cult leader? Yeah. So there's still like more people. He's still out untouchable. There. He's still on TV and the radio. Yeah. So that that's cool. So the, I think the, the cult leader gets away. So the cult's not wiped out though. No. Just the the middle management guys who kind of got everything going. Yeah. And now there's a gap in it that I need to fill. And also the understanding of what the tablet can do now. Yes. Which I think is cool. Cool. So you're saying that the end of the movie, well, not the end, but right before the end is going to be that we get the, the possessed. <laughs> I say that's a very la- the very last scene is the tablet glowing again. Before that, we have a happy scene of life as normal or something. Maybe gets married. Before that is when the, the song gets played backwards and success. Yeah, I like that. Or is the stinger maybe like him finding out where the cult leader is and then running and grabbing the tablet and leaving? No, I, f- I figure we we hear the cult leader on like the radio or something giving a sermon. And it's like, well, he's still he's still out there, but I can bring him down legally without yeah. the help of, you know, a demon. I can do that. It's one day he's going to mess up and then the law will be there. Okay. Because I, th- I think we end on a, I think we end on a real, not an idealistic note, but like uh, the fight continues in yeah, the right easy. way. That's how they always end. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's cool. So, so we're going to have, I do like the idea of, so when the partner finds out that the tablet is no longer functioning the way they needed to, he assumes that his partner has it, right? Does he immediately or does he see the partner do something? Or does the partner, conf- or does the cop confide in him? The cop could confide him. That's kind of cool. But then we, well, we have to get to a part where the partner does something bad to the girlfriend or the girlfriend. Yeah, friend. that's pretty 80s. So I, I think we got to get there, which I think would probably be this part. Because it's, this part is when he's going to realize that he does not want this thing anymore. Yeah. That's always that. And it coincides with the cult getting their hands on the girlfriend or something. Yeah. In order to make him come and give up the demon so he can put him in the right body. So is that what it is? Is it a kidnapping to get it back? I don't think so. No. I like I like what Scott said about something bad happening. Yeah. And then like then he going on like a bad tear and like doing yeah. some harm to people. So there needs to be uh so after the fight for the body, I think that's when like um something bad happens yeah and that's when the 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 demon takes over i think it would be cool if one of the effects of having this demon this demon is able to see the uh first of all people's true self and their true intentions and i think somebody that comes off as a really good character maybe not the partner but somebody that's close to him uh ends up being as bad as the cult people or part of the cult and that comes as sort of a turning point for him well, um, and and that person is the one who either hurts the girlfriend, kidnaps the girlfriend, or the girlfriend's friend. Is it a rival cop who has no ties to this beyond working in the same force? Maybe this is the first time you find out that a partner's bad. I'm thinking like a mentor, like somebody oh, okay. that that he was very close with, somebody that um like was his first partner uh, that brought him up right after the academy, and he's probably you know. 10 20 years older um and he's gotten cynical and jaded but because of the system yeah and and so our our hero thinks he's a really great guy but it turns out after he can see his true self that he's not okay i like that we got the right person doing 80s movie here. Mm-hmm. okay 
So we have our we have our bike cop patrol guy, who I think actually is going to be a good guy. Right? Yeah, I think I think he he, seems like he's a good he's guy well meaning. Now. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he takes shortcuts, but he's well meaning. But he's with the partner who's a bad partner, so he comes off as like, yeah. I've been doing some bad yeah. stuff. I'm okay with that. Uh, that's when they find uh, at the dock bus. Should I should I go through what bullet points I have so far? Yeah. So we have a normal bus at the docks. Cop and partner discover an ancient Sumerian stone tablet. Partner intercepts the tablet but accidentally leaves it in the patrol car. Possession occurs on ride home. A metal song on the radio includes lyrics in Latin, which activate it because Nightshade Table wrote it in concert with the Field Museum exhibit, which is just like 80. That's just like cheese right there. That's ridiculous. I love it. Um, He helps someone at a traffic traffic crossing. <laughs> oh man, traffic crossing. Traffic crossing. He helps someone at like a stop at like a red light. He looks out and sees someone being harassed. So he goes out to try and prevent it. Gets stabbed. It heals and weird. And then he has like super strength or something and beats them up and saves a person. Mm-hmm. They run off because they saw him demon out or something like that. Sure. He gets horns or something briefly. He doesn't notice, but they do. Blank space. He recognizes he has demonic powers, which include sight with a capital S, so that we know it's a superpower. Nice. Uh, the partner gets the tablet back and goes to the cult, but it's already been expended. Mm-hmm. The ritual doesn't work, and they realize the cop might already be the one possessed. Blank space. Girlfriend's best friend is unintended victim. Cop realizes things being possessed aren't as great as they've seemed. There's a fight for control over the body. He uses the thing like, well, I can leave with my gifts as well. And the, the stab wounds opens up, and all the injuries he takes kind of open up at once. And he's like, no, come back. Yeah, that sounds cool. Blank space. They return the demon to the tablet by playing that song backwards. The cult leader's still out there on the radio, but cop might be able to bring him down legally. And then we show the tablet in the field museum at night, and one of the letters goes red. All right. That's what we have so far. We have some blank spaces in there. We have some leaps we need to cover. I like that. But um, I think we've got a really good framework for something that could be really fun. No, I completely agree. Uh, we are at the hour. Do you want to recap stuff? Sure. Well, do you not, want, not this part. You want me to do that, or you do? I'll go ahead. Okay. Hey, for everyone who's tuning in right now, for whatever reason, you've already missed a little bit of talking upstream, which is Dylan over there and me. My name is Zach, and we are some nobodies. And together, what we do with this whiteboard and a friend, and this friend this week happens to be Mr. Scott Curtis with Behind the Bits Podcast, is we try to talk ourselves up to a streaming service. That's what we call it, talking upstream. That's what we do. We talk a lot, and we break stuff down. I'm already over my quota this week. Of talking? Yeah. That's not true. It's getting there. (laughs) All right, well, I'll stop calling you then. Yeah. Go back to text messages. <laughs> anyway, we're going to spend the next little bit trying to figure this uh, 80s yeah. uh, cult movie out. And of course, we appreciate the help from IBM TV International Broadcast Media. So Yeah, and a few right other on. people, too. So and a few other people. Yeah, just happen. We'll get That's at that. the end. Yeah. It's weird to thank Scott Curtis since he's already here. He's already here. Since we thank him every episode anyway. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's learn more about... So we need... I, I think we need a normal grounded scene of the relationship between the girlfriend and the cop in which the demon somehow interferes like midway through the first act or at the beginning of the second. Okay. Which leads to them kind of knowing that something is up. Do you think that should happen right? That's like the knowledge of the demon. I think so. I think that's kind of what breaks it open for him. Now we got to work in the mentor in the beginning. Yeah. Somehow. He's helping him on the raid or something like that at the docks. Either that, or he maybe he sees something that's a little bit fishy, and he calls his mentor early, like, hey, I don't know what to do about this situation. And he's like, look, man, 
it's the 80s. You're a cop. You got to play ball, pal. He calls him after the <laughs> after the traffic crossing incident. He's like, hey, I just beat up a perp. I never took him in. I didn't read him anything. He goes, hey, hey, hey. I think we do it both. Don't talk to me about this on my work phone. We'll get a drink. And then they do a drink and talk about cop stuff after work. And yeah. he goes, hey, man, sometimes the system doesn't work. And so, and that's like a foreshadowing to the mentor going bad. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a mentor scene at the beginning. And you got a flashback scene of when he was first mentoring him. Yeah. So we're going to throw a flashback in there, which is always great. Flashback of mentorship. Okay. So what was happening right here at the two, at the second? At some point, at some point, the partner needs to go to the cult and let them know that his that the cop is possessed. I think that should happen pretty That's close earlier. after the... Okay, yes. Yeah, I think one, once we get the knowledge of the demon, that can also be pretty much interchanged yeah. with the knowledge that the demon is no longer there. The end of the second act is the mishap with the girlfriend's best friend yep. and the cop having the conflict with the demon over possession being nine-tenths of the law. Yes, yeah, so we also got to figure right. out what this mishap with the GF friend is. Yeah. Um, so we need something that's going to cause uh the possessed cop guy to overset his bounds Have we, we haven't named anybody yet his his name craig C craig <laughs> I, I don't know that name has been bouncing around my head have we used that on the show before no okay Maybe once but i don't think so officer craig officer craig it feels like an 80s name for someone who i feel like he's um classic coach name did you watch the season, first season of the Fargo TV show? Yeah. I feel like he's that cop who eventually joins the Postal Service. Oh, cool. All right. Oh, Young, okay. Fresh-faced. Kind of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So we got Craig. We have our girlfriend who is... What's an 80s name? Jennifer? Shania. Shania? <laughs> no. Dude, I hate you. <laughs> Ashley. All right. Ashley's better. Ashley be the, the Ashley the friend. Yeah. All right. So we got Ashley here. Uh, we need our mentor. So his name is like, I guess maybe a name that could be something shorter. Also, like a thing like a Bob. Yeah, I was thinking of Richard, but I like Robert. Yeah. Bob. Okay, and then we have our uh, our cult leader, who's the preacher. What's a good cult leader name? Like a lot of I'm I'm really trying right now not to use an actual mega church pastor's name. No. It needs to be like like Jeremiah. It needs to be biblical. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Am I am I Samson? No, we use Samson no, in a different Samson. series. Um Samson is a canon already in the some nobody's universe. Yeah, uh, I like Jeremiah, that's fine. Sure. I think Jeremiah is from Mandy. I think it's brother Jeremiah. Yeah, I would say any. Uh, That's any, fine by me. Any okay, first cool. Thought cult leader name would be Jeff, uh, Jeremiah. Um, we have our partner partner's name. What's a what's a bad partner? What's a bad name? Should it also be biblical? Dave, David. David. That's not a no. bad guy's name. You need like a Solomon. No, <laughs> Solomon could be the cult leader. That's a, yeah. That's better. Uh, we'll stick with Jeremiah for right now. All right. Um, bad guy. Eighties. He's like a Johnny. Chad. And we already have That's Craig. Way too early for Chad. You think so? <laughs> yeah, Chad doesn't always start to like the 2000s. All right. Yeah. Um, what, what's a classic 80s bad guy name? 
Johnny's the only one stuck in my brain, but I'm yeah. not sure if that's yeah because of Johnny Cap Johnny Spike. Spike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he goes by his last name, so he has a he has a tough last name like Griffin or we're using Griffin. Yeah, no. <laughs> Griffin's uh, good. How about Carl? Car- Carl's always a good bag. Carl. Guy. Every yeah. Carl cop I know is a good guy, but <laughs> Carl, um, like Carl Winslow. Uh, yeah. but I'm okay with it. Carl Carl's a cop. Come on, Carl. Coral. The demon goes by many names, so we don't have to worry about that. Many names. It's a weird name, but sure. Many names, the demon. And I figure this is not like a lot of other possession stories where eventually they reveal it's like, oh, it's the big one. This is just this is just a demon. No, he's a punk. Yeah. Yeah, he's a punk demon. Kind of a loser back in hell. <laughs> so now he's living on Earth and he's living it up. Well, yeah, he's trying to redeem himself. This demon is trying to redeem himself because he, oh yeah, he he was did something stupid and he's trying to redeem himself by opening up the gates and letting everybody in. Yeah, open the gates. We gotta put that in there a couple more times. This is one of those weird like news articles where it's like. Uh, Radical cult leaders talking about opening the gates for the first time. That's got to be like on, in a bar oh, on the new on the TV somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, things are. It's less. I think it's less overt. It's more like things are really hard here in the eighties. Is it the end times? <laughs> you know what I mean? You like be the judge. End of t- end of days. Yeah, end of days. Yeah. Um. Where? Where? In Not the like world, the movie. <laughs> where in the world is this? I've been imagining Chicago or Miami. Or you did say Chicago. Why Miami? Because it's the 80s and it's a cop movie. Oh, because of cocaine? Sure. Weird. I don't think we need to. Where do you think this is uh, taking place, Scott? I like Chicago because there's enough there's enough history there and it's old. And yeah, I think I think that works better than Miami. When was the Great Chicago Fire? Uh, 1902. I'm getting 1871. Okay. 18, 1871. It went out in 1902. Over a hundred years ago, the city nearly burned itself down. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, cool. The demon monologues demon about like, it's like, you either burn alive or nobody knows you exist at all. <laughs> you live long enough to burn up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What do you think this, this uh, girlfriend friend? This oh, happens? that's a good question. It has to do with a mentor. Yeah. What, is that? Him. Yeah. yeah. We're gonna think is, it un- is it completely unrelated to the demon shenanigans? Um, yes. It- can be, although I don't know why. Or, or she's the one that figures out that he's possessed uh, instead of the girlfriend. So maybe you know, the... she, for some reason, she knows too much. Um, maybe she, the the cult leader, is on a date with her or something and tells her too much. Something she's got to go. She's what well, the girlfriend knows because obviously the cop uh, uh, Craig confided. Girlfriend tells friend. Actually goes to the church run by Jeremiah. She's just a casual go. She's like, you know, it speaks to me. I like putting my hand in the air when we sing. Yeah, that's crazy, but sure. Mm -hmm. And somehow she witnesses an act by the demon in his body. And she's like, oh, you got to come to church with me. And then the demon like maybe takes that opportunity to like get closer to where it needs to be, and somehow her involvement when Craig fights back puts her in harm's way. Hmm. 
Okay. That's weird. Okay. Yeah, but it's got to be it's got to be indirect, but it's got to be his fault okay. in some way because that's how that's why right. he wants to get the demon out once and yeah, for all. Yeah, because because if she's bad, why would the bad guy do something to her? And if that's true, why would he care that much? I would assume that her, she is not. Maybe she takes him in. Maybe she thinks he's possessed and takes him in for what she thinks is just literally an exorcism. Mm. She's mm. like she's trying to do good. And she is unwittingly delivering the demon exactly where it needs to be, and it puts her in danger. Oh, see, I was that's actually, what I was saying. I like that. No, I yeah. like that. No, I like that too. That's cool. Because at first, I thought what you were saying was that the girlfriend's friend had to get hurt or something, and then the and then Craig was going to come in, like kind of save the day, but go over. Oh, but I like what you're doing. So she's going to try to get Craig into the church. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And then Craig is going to just not like that. The yeah. The demon part, Craig. Yeah. Bad Craig. Okay, she she doesn't go to church. She doesn't go to Jeremiah's church. She is like hardcore Catholic or something. Okay. Or non-copyright infringing oh, member of a denomination of Christianity. So she tries to get an exorcism. An actual exorcism. Yeah. All right, cool. And oh, the demon it. doesn't like that. Yeah, why would he? <laughs> he finds it stupid. <laughs> All right, so we're going to have this exorcism here, which I think is going to be a very interesting scene. That's going to be cool. It doesn't work. What are you doing? That's for me. It doesn't yeah. work. Like, with that water. What are you doing? Yeah. People have tried this one before. All right. It just starts laughing at them. So, yeah. okay. So then, then I say we play that scene for horror, like real horror. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. What does he do to go overboard? Does it burn the church down? Yeah. I think, he, I think he just does a wave. Just that fire wave. What is that? Is that what you see too? Maybe Scott? that might be a little easy. Yeah, either that or he takes a couple of the people in the exorcism out. The guy yeah. that's trying to perform it. Yeah. He like makes all like the crosses in the whole church start stabbing people. The top nails, the nails fall off the top, so they'll swing around to be upside down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. So uh so this get is some, some you know, you know of... get some crying tears of not exactly tears. We're gonna call this church horror scene yeah. here. You've always wanted to what? some kind of church horror. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> do you think it's too much if Ashley gets crushed by the giant like crucifix as it falls on her? No. Okay, cool. No. That's classic 80s horror. <laughs> classic where they're like, ah! and they hold that pose for like, way too long for some reason. Um, okay, so that's Ashley and our mentor. Okay, so the mentor, what, is, what does the mentor do for because it's got to be like a mentor turn. What if the mentor kind of puts things together and thinks that Craig is going vigilante and is like, we can't have multiple vigilantes on the crew and either tries to persuade him to like go vigilante with him and then it's like, well, if you can't, won't join me, I got to take you out or something like that. Or maybe, maybe the mentor is like... I feel like the mentor should have... It should end up being part of the, like, the cult. You think... So I feel like Do we want that many members of the police unit in the cult then? Because yeah. his partner is okay. This is an 80s cult. Okay. Bro. Things get crazy and sure. Do, he goes to the mentor after this and is like, I need your help with something and I have to tell you straight. And then the mentor's like, while Craig is like confessing on the couch, the mentor is like locking the door and shutting the blinds. Yeah. Yep. And like grabbing like a wavy, like a w knife with a wavy blade. <laughs> yeah, some like old weird knife. Like this is the only thing you can work. 
Um, you think that is the mentor turn is after the church? Harvest? I think it's immediately after. I think he goes right to that guy's apartment yeah. and he's like, I don't know what to do. The church isn't helping. You're the only person you're, you've helped me all the time. And he goes, Craig, I was really hoping to, I was really hoping the rumors weren't true, but it looks like you're the one. And then what, what is the mentor? Mentor tries to get him to go with him to the cult leader. And then Craig's just like, I'm not going anywhere with or you. Or does the mentor try to get him to somehow put the possession back in this tablet? I think they don't learn about that until later. So they just bring him straight to the church. I think he's trying. Okay. So the mentor pulls him to the church, right? Yeah. I think that's cool. So now we have a cult church scene. What do you think is going to happen here? I think this is the big showdown where he takes out the regional cult leaders, but not the main guy. Is there, there's also got to be that, uh, the, the fight, the fight for the power, right? So, yeah. uh, they know about the spell and maybe they're like saying it, but like kind of a little bit wrong or something. Maybe something similar to the end of the exorcist where it's like, they try to take the demon out and then Craig is trying to keep it in his body. Cause he's like, I have, to, you know, I'm yeah. not letting you have it. Yeah. So it's a reverse, it'd be the reverse fight for a body. Yeah. And, um, sorry. So then we're going to do another body fight. It's a it's a dark it's a dark reprise of the original where it's reversed. Yeah, where he's like, I have to take this weight on myself. This is my metaphorical cross to bear, but it didn't work last time. Now, is this something where the demon's gonna have to agree to it? I think this is Craig exercising his will on it. I think this is a reverse of the demon being like, "Your body's my toy to play with," and it's like, "It's not your toy. I'm your prison," or something like that. Oh right, yeah, something yeah, like that. that. Um, and then what, what is, is that when we get the wave of fire? That I think so. He harnesses the ability and yeah, that makes sense. Cause then he's going to like, Oh, he's got an Omega level at that point. Yeah. So, um, how do you do the Omega symbol? Is that it's an upside? Yeah. It's a horseshoe. Yeah. It's upside. It's a horseshoe balancing on its ends. All right. So that's the Omega level, uh, power. All right. Well, that's cool. Um, okay, so the mentor has popped in a couple times. We need to build up the girlfriend character and make yeah. that like a thing somehow. So I guess in the beginning, we're going to have to put that they're saving up uh, uh, for a baby. Something. They want to have a baby or something? Uh, they want to get married. They want to get married. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. So we're going to have like marriage talk over here. With Shania. With Shania, yeah, classic Shania. <laughs> gonna get you. That's gross. All right, gonna so get you real good up here. And so, they're, so they're gonna have that weird. Okay, so the one scene that always happens, like eighties, nineties uh, movies, is like there's one scene that like the military guy is always in with the girlfriend, and it's like, are you ever gonna give up this this life for me? And he's like, yeah, one day. And then he gets that beeper message, mm -hmm. or whatever, right? So that's yeah. Then he goes from there. He's like, oh, sorry, you know, I'm gonna call. And then he goes over to the dock, and that's where we have like the first bit of. Uh, mentor conversation where maybe he'd call him on the way and be like, look, I'm trying to have this baby. I don't know if I should be doing this stuff. That mm -hmm. kind of thing. And mentor's like, nah, whatever. So that's what we find out about. Uh, somehow it's a crooked, a couple crooked cops are looking for uh, the tablet at the docks, right? Yeah. When I, I say Shania helps him get unpossessed at the end. I say he confides in her with in her at the end and she somehow helps. Maybe she's like a radio DJ. Yeah. Is that too much? 
why would she be a radio DJ? Oh, to play the song. Can women not be radio DJs? I was yeah. wondering what the DJ part meant too. I didn't oh, know that oh. girl was doing it. I'm like, why would anyone be a DJ here? <laughs> but I forgot that there's a song involved. Is that too? Do you think that's? Is that too much tie-in? Is that too convenient? Uh, Actually, I think that's pretty cool. It, it, it's a very cool idea. I'm, I'm curious, like how? Uh, so, so she somehow she plays the song over the radio at the right times, and somebody's outside with a boombox. Is that what you're saying? It's a say anything. <laughs> or or maybe it's like when, when did you know when did you notice this was happening? Was it like midnight? Maybe the time is important. He goes, I don't know. You were like night. You know, I was going home like Friday night. They were talking about the Field Museum, and that's why I was thinking about the tablet, and that's when that happened. She goes, when I was playing that song that was based on what the tablet had on it. Yeah. Oh, that. What if we play we it doing, backwards? That night we were doing a rock block of nightshade table. Yeah. All right, that's cool. Yeah. So DJ girlfriend uh, helps something. We got to figure out a way for the demon to be exercised and yet his wounds don't come back. What if they do and he just goes and then it's that scene where he like passes out and she's like, no, oh, hold on, 911. And then he okay. fades to black and then he wakes up in like a hospital bed or something. And it's like, yeah, that's just fine. It could be. Yeah. Is that, nah, Scott's not satisfied with it that. It doesn't seem like he's satisfied with that. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with him. I mean, he, a, he has been healed by the demon. Um, B I, I'm kind of understanding what you're saying where it's like, like he passed out cause he has all the wounds and, yeah. he out, and then the next scene is him kind of waking up at the hospital bed and he has like patches. Yeah. Oh, they got you here right. Just but I, well, I understand another, we can do yeah, something another, better. Another angle to go with is that you've got some of these movies have characters that um, have just a small part and yet at the end they're a bigger part and maybe there's a character either in the in the police station or something that he interacts with like maybe three times during the movie and that person turns out to be an angel or something and and the demon goes out the angel shows up touches him and he's fine it's an EMT. It's an EMT on the night, on yeah. night shift. Yeah. An EMT. Yeah. Cool. All right. So EMT. So the EMT, we're going to show him at every time also that Craig is in an accident, right? And because he's just kind of around to make sure the good people are. Something like right? that. Yeah. And that he's, was, he's, he's seeing if anyone is available for. He, he asked for him to dispatch after he beats up the knife people at the first, where he first gets attacked at the, at the stoplight. Yeah. He calls in and that EMT is the one to answer. And it's yeah. like, mm -hmm. where's also, your location? Also, he's at the, at this bus mm -hmm. for no, like in the background. That's where they have uh, the bus. Yeah. Huh? I think they call it a bus, a bus? ambulance. No, at the bust. Oh, bust. Okay. Bus. Yes. Yeah. So he's just there. That way we see him in the background. And then he gets called to the scene here that we interact with him. Yes. One, we have one more loose end. It's the partner. How does a partner wind up in this? Oh, yeah. He's got to die. Yeah, the partner is at the... At the, at the so we find out that, it, that the partner is working with the mentor to get uh, Craig back to here. Yeah. So I think, the, I think the partner is just in at the church. And he's just going to get obliterated with everybody else. Okay. Yeah. That works for me. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um. So we have our mentor character kind of figured out. We have our EMT character, which is a, a great addition, uh, which is going to be a bit of an, uh, an angel. Not a silicon angel, a regular nah. angel. His name, is, his name is Michael or something where people... His name's Simon. Oh, I'm, angel's I'm name no Simon. Angel. That seems cute. There's an, there's an apostle named Simon. Oh, 
be not afraid. And then it turns into the like the wheel around the eye, and it's got the flames. It's like a biblical angel. Oh, cool! It's like the wheels rotating around the eye. I don't know. If I don't know that kind of money for CG. Well, but... no, but we'll get investors. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. This is this is good stuff. Or yeah, I'm liking this one. Um, okay, so we, we touched on the, the, the Ashley, right? Because she is. We probably got to throw her into the beginning of this somewhere. But I like, think. Oh, yeah, we need we need some scenes in the middle of him like using his demon powers for what he thinks is good cause. What is the sketchy cop montage? Yeah, right. So maybe he like interacts with her, then uh, something stupid. Um, I like the mentor thing; that's cool. The cult leader Jeremiah. Uh, we probably have to speckle him. It, he'll be on. We never see him, so but he's voiced. Always... He's voiced by someone, and you always hear him on the radio. People are always listening to him. Oh, what if he's the narrator of the whole movie? Somewhere? Gross. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, we talked about the partner. I think the partner kind of himself figured out. So I have the partner getting the tablet back and going to the cult. He yeah. needs to get the tablet from the partner, which I think could happen at that church at the cult church scene. Yeah, that's when he gets the tablet back. Yeah. Well, he brings the tablet. Well, um, so the partner would know what the tablet is. Yes, but not necessarily how to activate it. But he would also know that Craig had the tablet. Yeah. He would also be able to get the tablet back from Craig, like even though it didn't work. What if the partner starts like trying to see Ashley to get close or something? No, no, that doesn't work. That 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 comes out of left field. Yeah, I don't really like that unless Ashley and Shania, Shania. are they roommates or do Craig and Shania cohabitate? They could be roommates, yeah, because they're waiting to get married. It's the eighties. It's the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They don't know any better. <laughs> Why would they? They won't talk properly. So we're going to say that, uh, so, uh, yeah, okay. I'm okay with that. Like Ashley and I are roommates and maybe the partner goes into, <laughs> maybe the Craig's also been staying at the, at the girlfriend's place. So yeah. Maybe he breaks into the girlfriend's place. One of the early scenes of him having demon powers is the cult breaking into his apartment after the partner confirms that he had the tablet and he fights off all the cult like henchmen. And he's yeah. like, I'm not safe staying here. I'm going to go put my girlfriend in trouble by staying at her apartment. <laughs> it's the 80s. Classic 80s. It's the 80s. I'm not worried about putting my loved ones in danger because I don't think that far ahead. Girls yeah. punched in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Because I always like having that one scene in the movie where like maybe Craig is going to the girlfriend's house and the bad guy's there. And he's like, hey, uh, Carl, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, I was looking for you. Like, It's that scene from Spider-Man 3 where Harry's at... MJ's apartment. Yes. And he does the like we're just friends. <laughs> and then and he ducks behind the counter when the bus goes by. That is such a weird it's scene. So that dumb. Such a weird scene Sam Raimi did not care at that point. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's true. He was like working on part four. Um, what do you where, where do you want to go now? So I'm gonna run through what we have so far. Yeah, so, so it's good. Craig's with Shania, they're saving up for marriage. Yeah. He gets called on this raid because they have word that the docks are gonna be hit. Yeah, partner's already there. Yes, it's a normal bust at the docks, and they recover the tablet, which was going to be robbed, but is going to this field museum. Craig calls the mentor to get advice to like un unwind because he was just in like I'm presuming this is a shootout of some sort, so he's calling to unwind a little bit because they don't believe in therapy in the eighties. Yeah. Um, the partner intercepts the tablet, but accidentally leaves it in the patrol car, and then it gets out. The possession occurs on the ride home because Nightshade Table Song is playing on the radio. Uh, Craig helps someone at a traffic crossing. He gets stabbed in the heels. That's weird. Calls the EMT to help out with the people who got hurt in the actual attack. 
he calls a mentor. Mentor says sometimes the system, and they meet up for a drink because he's unwinding. Yep. And the mentor gives him a little talk about how the system doesn't always work, and sometimes you have to take things into your own hands. Yeah, we flash back to the mentorship. Uh, something happens. Um, it's important. We have a sketchy cop montage of Craig realizing his power and busting down like minor minor offenders and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, he recognizes demonic powers. The partner gets a tablet back. Meanwhile, goes to the cult. The ritual doesn't work. They try to bind the demon, doesn't work, and they realize the cop might have already been possessed by it, Craig. The cult stages a raid on Craig's apartment, and he dispatches them easily, goes to stay with Shania. The demon is trying to open up the gate and earn its name and that sort of thing, which is we get we get some indicate we get like a single scene where something weird happens in like an alleyway or something. Yeah. It goes a little bit too far. And he justifies it. The demon justifies it because you remember what Bob said, the system doesn't always work. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> The girlfriend's friend witnesses Craig do something along demon lines to, and sets him up with an exorcism at a real church. The demon acts out, crushes everything. Girl, uh, Ashley is the unintended victim of the rage and gets crushed by a crucifix. The co uh, Craig realizes that things aren't quite as great as the scene when you're possessed by a demon that grants you super strength and fire powers and magic sight and that sort of thing. And there's a fight for control over the body. Stab wounds open up. We get the reveal that if the demon leaves, his wounds are going to open up. Craig goes to the mentor for help, and it turns out the mentor is working with a cult. He does the, you know, shuts the blinds, gets the knife, they fight. Mentor either capitalizes on sympathy or overpowers him strictly because he doesn't want to use demon powers on his mentor despite everything. Yeah. Gets him maybe, to. Maybe the mentor has a weapon that works on the demon. Some sort. Yeah, he has some sort of blade of Megiddo or I something. Think overpower. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, takes him to the church. He's bound in like silver chains or something. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Um, there's a cult church scene. Craig tries to keep the demon as a prison and to reversal the power dynamic from earlier. Winds up burning the church down, killing the partner. Craig gets the tablet back. They uh, He meets up with Shania. And that's that's a weak link. We don't quite know how they puzzle out the playing the song backwards goes, but I kind of pitched that earlier a little bit. Yeah. Um, who is a radio DJ? Yeah. Um, they return the demon to the tablet by playing the song backwards. Um, turns out the EMT is an angel from the night shift and happens to live next door to... Uh, why would they call him in every time while they, he's bleeding or something? Every time they call for backup, mm -hmm. he's the first one Okay, there. Yeah. yeah. Turns out he's a literal angel. Night shift shows up. Uh, he, Craig wakes up in the hospital. He seems normal. Um, he and Shania are like, oh, well... You know, we can always get married. We don't have to have a fancy thing, but we should probably get married before you die because this was a real close call and it's really opened my eyes up to the immediacy of how fragile life is. Something yeah. like that. And now with a possible book deal, they're going to have enough money for it. Something life. like that. <laughs> Alien, <laughs> uh, spacemen from out from Mars or something. Yeah. Yeah. Saucer men from Venus. Uh, the cult leader is still out there on the radio, but Craig will bring down, down legally. It's implied that he has a way to do that. And then we show the tablet in the field museum at night. One of the letters starts glowing red and we cut the credits. Well, that sounds like a really good movie. Sounds like a really good movie. <laughs> I'll, watch crap. I'll watch the crap out of that movie. Uh, Scott, what do you think of this so far? Anything, anything you might think we need to add? Salt and pepper? Some garnish? No, I mean, it's it, it's good. I, <laughs> I, it is good. It is good. I, I like I, it. I, I would love to watch this. That's that's cool. It's like one of those gate two kind of movies where like, you know, it's like just cheesy, but it's going to be a cool I can movie. very easily imagine a VHS box has flames on the side. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to own it. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Scott Curtis, thank you so much for all of your time. We really appreciate you hanging out. This is great. Very, this very weird story. Yeah, we really appreciate your time, and obviously appreciate you. You've been very helpful in our yeah. uh, pseudo success, and yeah. uh, you were the first person I think to understand what we were trying to do and and see us for something more than just. It means a lot. So, yeah. yeah. It really well, does. it's it's great it's great to find people like you because I mean we all know there's a lot of bad podcasters out there and a lot of bad podcasts and when you find one that's worth it then you really got to get behind it and help them out. Hey, we're banking on the continuation of the bad ones still. That's yeah. part of our show. <laughs> we, definitely need, we definitely need more bad ones to do what we do. That's cool. uh, all right, Scott, do you want to maybe just talk us out and tell people where to find you one last time because that people do tune in right now. Yeah, the uh, podcast is Behind the Bits, and you can find that by typing Behind the Bits in any podcast app. The website's thebtbpc.com, and you can find me on social media just by typing Behind the Bits in the search bar, and you'll find me. That's awesome. Right on. Once again, we honestly appreciate your time. Uh, I don't think this could have been done without you. So no. That's cool. Right, yeah, this well, is this is a ton of fun, and I appreciate you guys. Uh, the the stuff you do is right. I I really really enjoy just watching what you guys do. It's it's really cool to be a an audience member in the stuff that you guys produce. That's cool, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, and if you are tuning in and watching this either live or on IBM TV or anywhere that you're watching this, um, you can always see what we're doing in the progression of uh, Deadbeat, a, a new a movie that starts. I'm going to write the script. I know you are. I, I can <laughs> see you doing it right there. Uh, you can always go to somenobodies.com and check that out. You can always help us out at patreon.com backslash somenobodies. Uh, once again, international broadcast, media, television. Thank you so much for having us on here. I got to write that down so I don't yeah. forget that. That sounds stupid. Got some other people. Uh, and a couple people that we have to thank that helps us with this show and everything else that mm -hmm. we're doing. Uh, Listener app. So if you go anywhere, you can go to Listener app um, and check them out. They do transcriptions of podcasts. If you listen to Behind the Bits or Silicon Angels or Podcast Podcast or anything weird that we do or Scott Curtis does, uh, Listener app will have it. So you can find them on Instagram at The Greatest Podcast app. Uh, other people, uh, Tonya Sheck and our friend Sarah Tukashik, and also Scott Curtis, which we thank every time anyway, but you're here. So we sure do. Person. <laughs> thank you so much for helping us talk to each other yeah. and record it and make sounds behind it. It really means a lot to us for making uh, Tiny Dreams come true, and I need you to know that. So we do, do honestly thank you. Do we want to announce a new show coming up, or is this too early? We can go ahead and announce it, sure. Okay. Yeah, good. So we also have a new show in development. It's a podcast because we had to reconfigure a little bit for a smaller cast smaller voice cast but you can look out on any podcast platform eventually for let me let me make sure i absolutely get this title absolutely right because it's you're right it's a little cumbersome but this is the first time we're talking about it publicly That's true uh look for by some nobodies a podcast under the name of the of course i still love you yeah, we wrote a weird uh, uh, horror on the open seas, mm -hmm. and it is all about uh, a person on a boat, and the boat is called, of course, I still love you, um, and that should be out very, very soon. We're actually we're recording a lot of that earlier, so yeah. look out for that as the next weird thing that we're doing. Other than that, guys, you can see us next week at International Broadcast Media Television. Yes. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you.